Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wrestling. I'm Jesse Reck with me, my tag team partner, Thunder Bunny Riley. Hello, hello. And on today's show, we're going to discuss the ever-changing landscape of Raw and SmackDown. Well, before we do that, I want to take a few moments here to talk about a great legend that passed away this week. Um, Pat Patterson uh, passed away on Wednesday night, early in the morning. Yeah, that's really sad. 79 years old. Uh, we lost him. My memories of Pat Patterson, I remember him being Vincent Man Stooge and how he's always so good at playing that role and all the impressive work he did behind the camera to mentor the younger generation of superstars. Absolutely. Um, for the ones who don't know, he was the first Intercontinental Champion, um, which is always a huge deal when you hold the first of any title. And he was one of the creators of my favorite show that runs still to this day, the Royal Rumble. Um, so I want to take a 10-second moment of silence. I like the 10-second ringing of a bell in honor of that man. And now we can move on with the show to Monday Night Raw. Our last week, we found out that Drew McIntyre's next opponent will be AJ Styles. What are your thoughts on how that's going to pan out, Riley? Well, I know I said on last week's show, uh, I was expecting Braun Strowman to kind of jump in and take that spot, given that uh, suspension he was given. Uh, but it looks like he is uh, away with a knee injury. Um, so seeing Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles... This is a mania match. I mean, you've got two athletes that are at the top of their game. Drew McIntyre has not looked better than he does right now. Um, he is just absolutely amazing. And, I mean, there's never enough awesome things we can say about AJ Styles. The guy knows how to tell a story. He always makes you look good in the ring. And whenever he's there, you want to watch. I am probably the most excited about this build going in right now just because there's so much potential between these two that i don't even care how tlc is going to go i i'm really enjoying the story that they're having right now oh yeah i can't disagree i think putting aj styles and drew mcintyre in the ring together is going to be amazing to watch but you also have to be concerned about omis out there i don't know you know, how long the story's going to go, I don't have a real prediction on it yet. But remember, that is a great equalizer that has been working in AJ's favor lately. You know, I understand that, but I have yet to see Omos interfere in the match. Shy of standing in front of somebody, like we saw on Monday night where he stood in front of Sheamus during the, that tag match. I have not seen him actually interfere. So I don't feel like he is as big of a factor as everybody wants to put him in as for the sole reason that he doesn't need to be that factor. Well, I mean, you got to wonder at what point will he or will he ever? I think he will. I don't think it's going to be against Drew McIntyre. I mean, AJ is really good about holding his own, even whenever he was with the Good Brothers um, and they had the club going on. For the most part, AJ did it on his own, which is something I've always liked about AJ Styles. Even whenever he's a heel, he doesn't feel the need to have 
extra help coming in. Maybe almost will jump in and interfere. I don't know. Like that's what I'm saying. Like over the next couple of weeks, I'm excited to see how this feud continues to build because both of these guys are fantastic on the mic. They have a great look and the talent speaks for themselves in the ring. Yeah, I agree. I think Almas's involvement is going to be very specific to timing. And I think that's something you have to look for with AJ Styles. You know, he's not going to have Omos interfere if it's going to get him disqualified. So Omos will do just enough that AJ can recover without interfering with the actual match itself. My biggest question, I think, around Omos is he has a really, you know, his size is very intimidating. Um, But with that, Drew McIntyre has never been intimidated. So I don't know how that's going to play out there. That's that's very true. Um, we also another, have... Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. So another thing that we have coming up, uh, obviously Lana winning the Survivor Series by herself. Looks like she has formed an ally with Asuka. Um, and it looks like their eyes are set kind of on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, which for Lana, I feel that is pretty fittingly so. She has been beat up a lot by Nia Jax, not so much by Shayna Baszler, but definitely by Nia Jax. And on Monday, we saw them team up and we saw them actually get the win um, thanks to, you know, that classic roll-up from Oscar. Oh, yeah. Um, that's actually what I was going to discuss. I... I mean, Oscar and Lana have two wins over Shayna and Nia Jax. Then they're posting in videos on Instagram. It looks like Oscar's trying to show Lana how to do the hip attack, which is still the funniest thing for Oscar. Oh yeah, I mean, this could be a very big thing for them. Make uh, I don't know the two champ Oscar. I don't I don't know what she'd go with. She will go with no one is ready for Oscar. That's all she's ever had to go with. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. We also had another surprise on Raw: Bobby Lashley and Riddle. Yeah, that actually interested me. I uh, once again last week on this show, I was curious if they were going to be doing the Keith Lee Bobby Lashley feud, um, just because Keith Lee almost got put in a hurt lock but didn't. But this last week, it really seems like Riddle is getting into the side of MVP and Bobby Lashley, and I'm also curious: is that going to be a new feud building? Um, and if it is, I must say. I'm not upset by this. Um, Matt Riddle has a very well, uh, rec- well-recorded MMA background. I mean, that's where he came out of. Um, so we know he's got that. And then for a lot of fans who don't know about Bobby Lashley, um, he was in the Army for a long time, was a wrestling champion in the Army, got out, went into Bellator, and is a was a beast there as well. So he has quite the MMA background himself. I'm curious where they're going to take this if they choose to put these two against each other. Oh yeah, I I think they're both going to be very physical. Like I feel like I remember hearing about Lashley being in MMA. I didn't know it was actually Bellator, but they're both going to be very physical. And it definitely looks like Riddle is just that thorn in the side of MVP. 
Right. Yeah, I, so I'm I'm actually curious about that. Um, I've always loved Bobby Lashley. Um, I feel like these two could definitely bring some magic to the feud. Um, obviously, contrasting styles, attitudes um, are going to really play a factor in this. But I do see that there's a lot in there. And with that said, if this is where that feud's going to be, I mean, what's next for Keith Lee? Um, where does he go? Yeah, it's where does he fall in? Because you can't, like, he's not a character. He's been, he's has so much momentum going in that you can't really put him on the back burner. Like, he's going to have something coming up, um, some kind of feud going into it. So my, my question is, I mean, who is it going to be? You know, we have uh, New Day, of course, in the Hurt Business. They're, they're kind of tangled up in a feud right now with uh, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander going against, obviously, Kofi and Woods. And, you know, Cedric picked up the win against Woods. Um, so with those two kind of taking up each other's time, Keith Lee could be an option for part of that feud. I mean, there are four members of the Hurt Business. That could be something we're looking at. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to see him kind of fall out of the wayside like Aleister Black has. Yeah, that's definitely not somewhere you you can imagine Keith Lee going. I just, I can't see that. I don't know where he's going to go, but he's always a force, no matter what he's doing. You know, yeah. it, you mentioned New Day and the Hurt Business. Like, I think the Hurt Business was exactly what Alexander needed him and you know he's been looking real solid that's a that's a future tag team match that they're gonna have to cross paths somewhere down the road for those titles i can see them eventually taking the titles off new day but it's that thing um it's for me it's always what's the story gonna look like i mean recently they've been doing real good it looks like they're gonna have a real you know it's gonna be a real fight for the new day Mm. Yeah, and but you know, with them not having Big E, you know that I understand like they don't need Big E for them to still be New Day, but for six years that trio was pretty inseparable, and I mean, you you could feel a piece of that energy missing right now. Um, so I mean, is this that opportunity that her business can come in and take the titles off them? Well, I mean, a lot of people don't realize Shelton Benjamin. He's been around a long time. He's got a lot of experience to help Cedric Alexander. And mm-hmm. he is a amazing wrestler. Absolutely. Um, he, if I'm not mistaken, which I'm pretty sure I'm not, he actually was roommates with Brock Lesnar. That's very um, true. At University of Michigan. They're really close friends, and there's a connection there. Um, and you don't become friends with Brock Lesnar if you don't have skill. That's just not going to happen. I mean, I think that really, it's a testament to his wrestling ability because, you know, Brock Lesnar as an amateur wrestler is just phenomenal. He's just a freak of nature. So you imagine all the time he spent wrestling and for Shelton Benjamin to be there as a friend to Brock, it's going to show the amount of passion he has towards wrestling. Right. He may not be the flashiest on the mic or always have the right thing to say or, you know, have amazing top rope apparatus, but he is just fantastic when it comes to wrestling and winning matches. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is what it takes. Yeah. That's all that's all you need. 
that's really all you need. You know, and you mentioned top rope flyers. Um, last week we saw the Symphony of Destruction match with Elias and Jeff Hardy. Um, is that is that over? Is that feud finally finished up, do you think? They keep saying that's over, but I mean, I would like to see both superstars move on, but where do they move to? Right. I mean, with the top rope, it was amazing to see Jeff Hardy still going for that swanton. I, you know, I was surfing around on Twitter and they were showing the, the rewind where he did it off the top of the tunnel. And then, you know, X many years later, now he's doing it off the turnbuckle. You know. Yeah, he uh, he actually hit his head on those stairs on the oh, way dude, down. Oh, that was crazy. Um, and they're reporting no concussion issues or anything, so you know we're really? glad Jeff Hardy is safe in there. Yeah, that's, but, that's yeah, a good he, thing. I th- he's over forty and still taking a risk. That's kind of crazy. As you and I are both getting up in age, we're not going to do that. Yes, I do. Yeah. I hit I hit the gym too hard, and I'm struggling to walk the next day. This right. guy's doing flips through tables. I look at a guy hitting the gym too hard, and I'm like, oh, I'm done for the day. <laughs> uh, and then Elias. I mean, I kind of feel bad for Elias. I love his look. I love his style. I love his finisher, the drift away. It's, it's a great finisher for him. Um, but I kind of feel like he's getting pigeonholed into his musical gimmick. And... Not to take away from his musical talent, because he is very talented musically, but Jeff Hardy's also musically talented. Um, Chris Jericho has his own band, but that's not what they were known for. And I think that's starting to hurt him for his stories. I wonder if since Elias came in as a musician drifter, does he put his music first? Because he, he can work a crowd. He's an amazing bad guy. Yeah, just a fantastic Absolutely. personality for a bad guy. He needs some uh, higher profile matches under his belt to really start developing himself as an in-ring competitor. But I can't think of very many people that the crowd loves to hate more than Elias. Yeah, and I also wonder if the lack of crowd is actually hurting him as well. I mean, we know that they they're ton, like they're you know they're filtering in the crowd noise, and I understand they're doing it for the wrestlers to kind of get them that additional adrenaline push they need. But with Elias, so much of what he did be- was before his match began. Yeah, and that's that's real hard to do when no one is there. Yeah, yeah, and then you know I. I don't really know how to address this group. Um, I really haven't figured out how to address them since they came in. Um, but, you know, what's going on with Retribution? Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen looks like small feuds building with Dana Brooke and Reckoning or Mia Yim. I hate calling her Reckoning. Mia Yim is a fantastic name. and She is absolutely talented. Um, and then, you know, we've seen Ricochet and Mustafa Ali kind of go back and forth with Ricochet taking a loss to Slapjack, which, once again, his real name is Shane Thorne. I'd rather call him that. I don't know. I feel like changing their names was really just a poor decision. I, I'm not a fan. But, you know, that's what WWE went with, and clearly they know more about it than I do. 
So it is what it is. Now, it's probably not true, but I was, you know, going down a rabbit hole just reading some of the hidden stories of WWE. And they were talking about a possible Braun return into Retribution. And I think it's reaching. I just really think, like, really? Like, really? I I feel like it's a reach, too. I mean, not to discredit the fact that Retribution could use a guy of that caliber. Um, but Braun, he's a, he's a main event wrestler. I mean, he's that kind of guy that if he's not going for a title or if he's not in some kind of title contention, there's not really much else you can do with him. He reminds me of, like, the current Big Show, where... If you didn't have Big Show in a title match, he wasn't as much entertainment to watch. And I liked watching Big Show. I'm not going to discredit that. Big Show was amazing. But I kind of feel like that's where it is with Braun Strowman as well, is that him being part of that group, I think, would hurt him more than it would help them. Because they've already got big guys with you know T-Bar and Mace. Um, I don't think they need another one. And... I don't think he would get along well in that group with the way his character is. Yeah, I I really feel like since he has broken away from the Wyatt family, I don't know why you'd want to put him back in a group. And surely they're not planning to put a mask on him and change his name. Like, dude, it's still Braun Strowman. Well, and that's like, the thing, too. Like, Mustafa Ali through Twitter, he explained that their names were changed because no one ever said his name correctly. And I know we've been calling him Mustafa and it's actually supposed to be Mustafa Ali. That's how he wants it pronounced. Um, So I get that was their quote unquote reasoning for doing it, but I think it's really hurt them all by the name change. I don't think it's helped them. I can't imagine them bringing Braun in and then doing that to him. I could see Braun maybe feuding with Retribution. I mean, you have a couple big guys, um, and T-Bar is, if you ever watched him in NXT, he is amazingly talented. And for the fans at home listening, I mean, check out any of his matches with him and Keith Lee, and you'll understand. Those are two big guys, and they were doing things in the rings that big guys should not do. Yeah, Yeah. it really did discredit him. You know, when they changed him from Dominic Dijakovic. Just one of the things I won't understand. I, I don't get it. Yeah. And, you know, and then we go to the other side. Uh, we have SmackDown, which uh, will be going this Friday. We won't be discussing that in particular. Uh, but with SmackDown, you've got a couple good stories really starting to come together. Um, obviously, the first one that comes to mind would be Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. Um, I'm really liking this uh, Roman Reigns heel. I have not been a huge fan of Roman Reigns in the past when they're trying to make him into a face. But since he's become a heel, I love his character. And I know it's not discussed. But there was a brief time whenever he was not wrestling and he was doing that film with The Rock. And I think that point in time, The Rock pulled him inside and said, look, this is what you need to do. And with Roman Reigns having that kind of pull in the the WWE, I think they finally allowed the heel turn and you're getting to see the kind of character Roman Reigns could be. I think the heel turn has done amazing things for Roman Reigns. It's by far the best story he's been a part of. I do think they are underutilizing Paul Heyman 
but that's because I'm a huge Paul Heyman fan. <laughs> it's well documented. I love Paul Heyman. Like, he is just the ultimate on-screen bad guy. Like, everything about him, just the way he walks, you're like, ugh. You know. Right. And, I mean, Kevin Owens, I didn't expect Kevin Owens. I personally prefer Kevin Owens as a bad guy. And I just think, I don't know, he has that ability to be the bad guy. I mean, even now when he's taking on, you know, the heel turned Roman Reigns, he doesn't feel like a face. Right, right. You know, like the closest he gets to face is somewhere in the middle. But I like, I mean, I like the potential of the match. I think Kevin Owens is a great performer. And... Putting him with Roman Reigns, I don't have anything wrong with that. I think it will work out real well. Yeah, you know, um, I agree with Kevin Owens. I don't, I don't enjoy him as a face. Um, but in the same turn, I've never really enjoyed him as a heel either. I feel like his middle-of-the-road character is like the one he's currently portraying, where he's the, I'm going to take care of what needs to get done. I don't care what you think. Attitude is a great way to go this. I mean, he went right at Roman Reigns and said, I'm not afraid of you. I don't respect you. I have no fear of you. And I'm head of the table. I love that look. It's the, I don't care where you're coming from. I'm still running the show. And I really like that he's doing that, um, this storyline with Roman. Because win or lose, however it comes out of this, they're both going to look better because of it. You know, and then of course Absolutely. we, you know, of course we saw also this week uh, the Sasha Carmella feud kind of pick it up a notch where they really got into it backstage, um, which again um, I got a history of not enjoying Sasha Banks um, as a character, but I think this is going to turn out to be a pretty good back and forth between the two. Um, I just. Carmella has never been the main event woman for me, and that's hard for me to wrap around with, I guess, everything, I guess. I was, I was glad to see Sasha strike back. You know? And I'm a fan of Sasha Banks. I, I think she does really well. I think her and Carmella, that's going to be a stand-up match between the two of them. They have good personality. Ring skills are comparable. And I think that's going to be a good thing to watch. I'll disagree on the ring skills comparable. Um, I think Sasha Banks is a much better performer in the ring than Carmella is. Um, you just look back at the few she had with Bailey here recently. It was absolutely fantastic in the ring. Um, and then you think about the past few she's had with Charlotte Flair. Um, Carmella, I don't think, has ever had those kind of matches where she is just like, you look at that match, you're like, wow, that was match of the night. For me, but is I that lack of opportunity. I don't think so. I mean, because... Carmella's been around for a while. She's been given, I mean, not given. She won the first Money in the Bank ladder match, um, which she cashed in on. Anytime I've seen her in the ring with like the bigger names like Oscar or Charlotte Flair or. Becky or even Bailey, um, I kind of feel like her half is more lackluster. Well, you have, I mean, when she won the Money in the Bank title, she had Ellsworth with her. Right. When she won the women's title, she had Ellsworth with her. 
And then, like, since losing Ellsworth and the women's title, she has just kind of been a pal around for our truth. Which, right. don't get me wrong, that's been super entertaining. Like, our truth did something with that idea that I don't think anyone else in WWE could have done. True, yeah. But you haven't really seen Carmella pushed up into that upper echelon of the women's wrestling division. And I'm hoping that in her time off, you know, during COVID and everything, she's been training, she's been working, and she's been improving her in-ring skill. And it's good to see her break away from that Enzo Amore cash-like style that she had when she was first showed up. Right. You know, leopard and moonwalking and all that. The princess of Staten. And Island. Yeah. That was her, yeah, her gimmick. And I didn't care for that either. Um, and again, I don't want to rule her out. I agree with you. I think this time away with COVID, I mean, she's, she has untapped potential. And I'm hoping that with this view with Sasha Banks, you finally get to see it. And if I am wrong, if this view does turn out to be absolutely amazing, I will gladly eat my words because I think that both of these women have the ability to put on excellent matches, top caliber matches, and maybe that's all she needs is just the right partner to do it with. I'm just saying in the last couple of years, I have not been impressed with Carmelo's work. I can see that. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. From Maybe I'm just being hopeful, but it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Right. Then, with untapped, untapped potential, we had... The Street Profits versus Rude and Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, that one uh, kind of surprised me. Um, I know we were talking, who are they going to feud with? You actually mentioned, I think, last week, Rude and Ziggler as a potential option. Um, I might have kind of counted them off just being you know older in age, but... I got to admit, I did not dislike watching that match, and I was surprised at the clean win um, yeah. that they gave. I mean, when I when I first watched it, I didn't think it was going to be like a long-term feud thing. But it was good to see the Street Profits again working with a more senior team. Right. And, I mean, I'm a big Bobby Roode fan. I've liked him ever since his stuff in NXT. And I think there is another part of him that they haven't used yet. You know, where... You know, with Dolph Ziggler, he's just kind of been Dolph Ziggler's sidekick. Right. You know, and I would like to see them use more of Robert Root. Well, so I was watching um, Talking Smack uh, this last week, and they had Root and Ziggler both on. And I agree with you. For a long time, I kind of felt like he was just like the sidekick. And it kind of frustrated me because while you remember Robert Root from... um, NXT, I remember him as Bobby Roode back in TNA, whenever he was with Beer Money Incorporated with James Storm. Um, And I have watched him as a tag team competitor and fell in love with him as tag team. So I was excited about this being a tag team. And like you, I was a little sad because it looked like he was more of the back burner character. But on Talking Smack, Dolph Ziggler was wearing a shirt called the Dirty Dogs, and it was both Roode and Ziggler 
on the on it with artwork of course changing their appearance slightly but you could tell it was both them so there may be something going on there of actually putting this together as a legitimate tag team kind of like something we saw with cesaro and sheamus where at first when they became a tag team you're like all right is this gonna work and then they were the bar and, and i mean you saw the wonderful stuff they did with that i think that could happen here yeah i was a big fan of that I really was. You know, and again, we you know, talked about, you know, they keep putting the street pockets with more experienced wrestlers, and I think this is doing nothing but helping them. Um, they're already established themselves as a very solid tag team. This is a tag team I don't want to see break up. I hate when they break up stellar tag teams like this. Um, and I think that another experienced tag team run is going to be fantastic for them and it's going to help them develop even more and you know i'm not upset by seeing this match going together i'm not yeah i think it i think it'll benefit both teams again i don't see it really being super long term you know i don't i can't imagine it's going to be like a mania match but no it's going to be entertaining to watch until you know, until then. Yeah. And Dolph Ziggler, I mean, he really is that damn good, as he likes to say. Um, he really is amazing in the ring. Um, he never messes up. He always performs top-notch. Um, and same thing with Bobby Roode. These two guys, like, they do their job great. And I think because of that, they are continuously, you know, someone you can talk about and someone you can put in these kind of matches and guarantee a good performance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of good performances, actually, um, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn technically beat Daniel Bryan in 10 seconds. Technically, he did beat <laughs> Daniel Bryan in 10 seconds. Technically, so, he did. I love, I love that they keep doing this. And then that backstage interaction with him and Big E, I'm... I'm happy about this. Um, I've been talking for a while that I want Big E to get a good singles push. I think the first feud he gets is with Sammy and Big E. I'm excited for this. Um, you have two guys that are fantastic on the mic. They know how to entertain. And I know you're not the biggest Sammy Zayn fan of him in the ring. But what he does, he does so well. And I think playing off Big E is going to be a really entertaining Intercontinental title feud for us. Well, I mean, I noticed they brought up the five-count Big E. They brought it up, and you called it. That might be where they're going. You know, it just I remember him whenever he beat Seth Rollins in NXT to become the second champion. Um I remember that being such a big deal, and I was impressed by it because the only other wrestler that ever did the five count was King Kong Bundy. And I was impressed that they, A, let him do that, and then how well he was able to make that work. And I feel like if we get that big E again, you're going to see him with a short intercontinental title run and main event picture coming sooner rather than later. Really? I just... Nothing against the Intercontinental title is very prestigious. Like we said earlier, Pat Patterson being the first one um, really kind of set the bar for that. Um, but when you look at 
what the Intercontinental title is meant for. It is meant to help those guys who are on the cusp of main event caliber get to that next step. Yeah. And I think he's got it. I mean, he's got all the tools, all the talent, all the charisma. I think him feuding with Sami Zayn here is going to is going to really bring more of this out. It might allow him to have more of the aggressive stuff because you know Sami Zayn's going to try cutting corners. Oh yeah. I would like to see Biggie have a a longer Intercontinental title run. I think it would be better for him overall to establish him as Biggie and not the New Day. And I mean, I know he gained a lot as the New Day, but to really push him as a singles competitor, I think it would be better for him to have the longer Intercontinental title run. And, you know, once again, this is, comes back to it. I won't be upset by that. I love when Biggie's on camera. I will not be upset if he has a long run. Um, his first Intercontinental title run, I felt, was, was not his best work. I think um, he was too inexperienced for that kind of push. But this time, I don't feel like that's the case. I feel like I feel like he is ready for main event. If they want to keep him on the Intercontinental title for a while, I'm fine with that. Because I feel like by him having the Intercontinental title, he will also help bring others to a new level. Well, speaking of bringing people in the new level, did you see Belair and Bailey? You know, I'm... Once again, excited about this. Um, I've talked a lot about Bailey. I love how good Bailey is in the ring. I love whenever she stopped being the huggable one and became the dark side Bailey that she is. I did not care for the hugger. I liked her skill. I like her finisher. And I think now that she's turned dark side and working with Bel Air. I am excited for this. Um, Paul Heyman said on Talking Smack that there are very few women that have everything that you're looking for, the EST, as she likes to call it. Um, And for Paul Heyman to go on the record, on the air, and say, you are the next huge women's star, is saying something beyond belief. Like I, I know you love Paul Heyman, so I know you'll you'll 100% probably agree with him on this. But Paul Heyman, since ECW, has always had an eye for talent, and I know he's managed Brock Lesnar. I know he's with Roman Reigns, and I know they have these people called the Heyman guys. But when you look at behind the scenes, at some of the wrestlers that have really just shined because Paul Heyman gave them a nugget of what he brings to the table. I feel like it's the same thing here. Bel Air behind the scenes is getting that nugget that Paul Heyman has being on SmackDown with him. And I think that's why you don't see a lot of Paul Heyman in the forefront of Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns doesn't need that. I think they have him there because, A, you want to keep Paul Heyman on TV. There's no better way of doing it with Roman Reigns. But I think behind the scenes, he's working with these groups like the Street Profits, um, Obviously, Bianca Belair, like he's working with a lot of these younger talents to really help promote them. And I think that alone is going to set her apart. And I think this feud with Bailey, with the kind of in ring skill that Bailey has, um, is going to do nothing but make her look good. And Bailey is 
fantastic at doing that. There's rarely a match that Bailey's in that is a bad match. In fact, honestly, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'd have to do research to find a bad Bailey match. So, oh, Bailey is super talented. There's, there's no doubt. I think that's what Belair needs. She needs that person that you know has been here. They've done that to help mm-hmm. Belair over. And yeah, I've heard Paul Heyman talk nothing but good things about Bianca. And the Street Profits, Paul Heyman's a fan of the Street Profits. Yeah. yeah. You know, he has he said that. He loves what they bring. But I think Bianca Belair, she has she has the attitude. She has plenty of character. And then she has the physical ability to perform. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she honestly, and you know, we talked about um, our favorite, some of our favorite matches in the past. Um, she reminds me a lot of Beth Phoenix, except here, she's in the women's evolu- revolution, where Beth didn't get that opportunity. I think she has and, more you know, she just Well, and that's just like I, I, I don't think so. Um, I think she has more attitude than Beth. But when you okay. look at Beth Phoenix and Santina Morella, that chemistry was gold. But at that point in time, you had the women really didn't talk much. Like Natalia Nightheart didn't talk a lot back then. She talks way more now. Um, but like back then, it was you were the pretty face. And I think she was able to do something and really bring all that character out. And I think. Bianca Blair already has that, like you said, and she has the stage to make it happen now. And that's what I think is going to happen. I honestly, I want to see this be a slow feud. I want this to be a long one. I know Bailey just got out of, of, a, of a long feud, but I want to see this be a long feud. I would like to see this maybe not go all the way to Mania, but definitely pass the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think that that's going to be the only way to really do it justice for both superstars. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it'll, I mean, obviously there's very little that's going to hurt Bailey at this stage in her career. Um, but I think this would be a huge push um, for Belair if it's a longer feud. And then also in the subject of bringing people up, what is, is the next move for the Mysterios? You know, I'd like to give you an answer on that. I really don't know. Um, I know last week Murphy won the match um, against Barry and Corbin with all three Mysterios in play helping. I mean, they took the foot off the rope. They distracted the referee twice, um, which is interesting to me because Rey Mysterio is not normally known for that kind of trickery. Trickery, yes, because he's always been the little guy in every fight, so he's got to be kind of clever to win. But to actually go through those steps, that's interesting to me. I'm not used to seeing that from the Mysterios. I don't know what they're doing there. I can't imagine them turning any of the Mysterios to heal because Rey Mysterio is the ultimate underdog. It just, you don't make Rey Mysterio a bad guy. Um, but it would be curious if he became like his quote unquote Don of the family. And he's got like his little stable where 
you know, they kind of do what he wants. I know uh, this week on Friday, on Friday Night SmackDown, Murphy will be going against Corbin in a singles match again without the Mysterios at ringside. So I am kind of curious what they're doing with this um, and what they're going to do with Baron Corbin. I mean, I don't know if that guy is ever going to get past mid-card level. I think he's got all the skills. He's got the attitude. He's a great heel, but for some reason, he just has never gotten over that hump. I honestly... He's like Elias. I don't know what it is that's causing it to happen. I feel like he was never given the wins that he needs. You know, they've always paired him as a heel, but he never got the, you know, that winning record. Yeah, I, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know why. I mean, he's got all the skills. That finisher, if you watch his matches, if he hits the end of days, nobody gets up. And years ago, he did an interview, and he was talking about how important the end of days move is. He's like, he wanted it to be something like the Tombstone Piledriver from The Undertaker, where if it happened to you, you were not getting up. And if you look, you can count on one hand the amount of people that kicked out of the tombstone. There are not people that kick out of the end of days. The Roman Reigns feud with Baron Corbin never had the end of days. He did the deep six, but never got the end of days on Roman Reigns. That's a really high measuring stick. But... Well, and it is. But when you watch his matches, if he hits the end of days, it's over. No one kicks out. So like they they keep that pure. Why they don't do more with this, I don't know. And it's kind of for me, it's kind of frustrating. I'm not the hugest Baron Corbin fan, but I feel like he has definitely got the ability. He's got the mic skill. He's got the talent. Um, I mean, he won the King of the Ring. I mean, those are caliber things that you look for to promote to the next level of main event wrestlers. And he's had many main event feuds, but they've never let him win the title. Even whenever he won the money in the bank, he did not get the win title. Yep. I don't know. To me, it looks like he's right there just knocking on the door waiting to go. But mm-hmm. the Mysterios look like they tapped into a little bit of Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> I mean, they were lie, cheat, and steal. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, all three of them did, too. Yeah, they, they yeah, like, each chose which one they ready. wanted to do, and that's what they did, yeah. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to discuss before we uh, we call for the bell here, um, and we haven't talked about it yet. It's part of the reason we haven't discussed is just how big it is. Is uh, Randy and Bray? And I know they're on Raw. We talked Raw earlier on the program, uh, but this is going to be probably the most exciting feud we're going to see over the next couple of months. Um, I know on Monday night. Um, they used Alexa Bliss as kind of like the, the weakness of the Fiend. And maybe that is his weakness. Maybe the Fiend doesn't have a weakness. Maybe it's just all mind games on both ends. And I know this coming up Monday, Brandy is going to the Firefly Funhouse. So oh. I, yeah, I, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, we, we know in the past the few that happened um, with Gray and Randy, um, it ended with Randy burning down the shack, uh, basically destroying the cultist Bray Wyatt look. And put Bray Wyatt, like, he disappeared for months. Months was just not even part of the program, not a part of storylines after all this had happened. 
what do you feel? Like, how do you feel about this happening right now? Well, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, you know, you're right. This is going to go to Mania. Like, there's so much in this storyline. So much available. And so let's say, let's say Randy did pick up Bray White, Bray's weakness with Alexa Bliss. Well, what's he going to do? I mean, is he going to jump out of the ring and attack Alexa Bliss? Like, what? How is he going to use that to his advantage? Like, what's he going to do? I'm just saying, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he punted, he's punted Stephanie McMahon in the head in the past. Um, he gave the RKO to Nia Jax at the Royal Rumble and threw her over the ring. Like, uh, last time I, I saw Beth put Phoenix in the him. ring. Yeah. I RKO. wouldn't put past Randy. He is a vicious, vicious guy. Um, at the same time, like, Alexa Bliss is, uh, you know, she's that twisted bliss now where she is um, got that dark side to her. Is she willing to sacrifice her own self just to, to hurt Randy Orton more? I mean, yeah. you know, I she's know. got those her gloves of play and pain. She might be okay with that. I mean, she did the whole fake cry that I almost kind of bought into like it was like she she really sold that really well against nikki cross and that was her best friend like imagine what she would do for the fiend if he asked her to that is why alexa bliss is probably my favorite competing female right now yeah i mean i love charlotte flair but alexa bliss has that personality that's just like what what was the what was the one she she won a title and was standing in the ring and there everyone was congratulating her and she told in the interview, she's like, Yeah, I wanna thank myself. No one. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah. my god. And she sold it so well. Like you really thought like and you knew she was a heel, but like it was oh, yeah. her first title win from SmackDown and you thought for sure, like she like the emotion was getting to her, which we have seen countless times when, in champions when they win that first title, that they get so emotional. I mean, Drew McIntyre did the ultimate taboo thing in fourth wall and literally talked right into the camera to the fans, which yeah. you're not supposed to do. Like you get, I understand. Like you get so emotional, and then the fact that she switched it so quickly was just so impressive for me. Yeah, so I mean. There's so many ways the story can go, even if it doesn't go all the way to Mania, because I still feel like Edge is on the verge of coming back, and he's got some retribution against Orton, and as they're always going to be a Mania match at this point, um, that maybe it doesn't go all the way to Mania. It could go past Mania. I mean, this could be a long-standing feud with a few where the Fiend continuously torments Randy for a year, year and a half. I mean, you look at the past matches are, are past storytellers and there are very few wrestlers that can make feuds last a year. Um, yeah. but Randy's done yeah. it on a number of occasions. I mean, he still has the Randy Orton triple H feud. Then when those two get together, like there's just constant tension and that's been years going. So I could see this being one of those things. Like it's not over. And like you might win this battle, but the war is far from done, you know, yeah, it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But on that, before we call for the bell, I want to remind everyone that we are on Instagram and Twitter at Wards of Wrestling.
We also have an email at wardsofwrestling at gmail.com. So get a hold of us. Anything you want to, anything you want us to discuss, talk about, ask questions, your opinions. We want to hear all of it. And with that, we uh, again thank you guys for listening in, and we'll look forward to talking next time when we'll be discussing NXT War Games, which is coming up to us this Sunday. Um, it's going to be an amazing card, so we'll be talking uh, the matches and predictions on our next on our next show.